You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Jamie Dumont. I'm Jennifer Samard. And I'm Rob Russo. And this is The Fabulous Invalid. For this episode, Rob and I took a trip down to Arlington, Virginia to talk with Eric Schaefer and Maggie Boland. They run Signature Theater, one of the nation's preeminent regional theater companies. You'll hear from Eric and Maggie about how this Tony Award-winning company came to be and about the mechanics of just what it takes to run a really successful regional theater. But first, let's huddle with Jennifer and see what's going on in New York. Hey, everyone. So for this third episode, uh, we're going to talk about current events, right? Uh, Guys. And by guys, I mean Rob and Jamie. I'm curious to know how you feel about the Palace Theater Times Square theater development plans. Any thoughts, opinions? Yeah, so I have a lot of thoughts and opinions. Go, Rob. (laughs) As Jamie knows, I never tire of talking about Broadway real estate with him. So for those who don't know, uh, recently um, plans have been announced publicly for the development of two of Broadway's historic theaters, uh, the Palace Theater, which is obviously uh, right on Broadway um, and has, you know, great history as being the home of vaudeville. Uh, You know, back in the 1920s, it was the number one stage in the country that all vaudeville performers wanted to perform on, Um, is going to be lifted up three stories. Uh, and uh, I don't know how they're going to do it, but somehow they're going to raise this historic auditorium up three stories and construct a 46-story tower around it that will consist of a hotel and some retail. Um, And then the Times Square Theater, which is on 42nd Street, it's actually the last of the 42nd Street historic theaters that is yet to be um, uh, renovated or or, repurposed uh, following the big project that started in the 1990s to... Um, to revamp 42nd Street. Uh, that theater, um, this is like the fifth or sixth plan that's been hatched for this space, um, is going to be turned into uh, a retail space, is my, my understanding. They're lifting it up a couple feet, which seems odd to me, um, and constructing a whole glass box on top of it. Um, is it going to be a theater it, It's not all? going to be a theater at no, all. At all. Oh, that I didn't know. I played the stage the capital but people said don't stop until you've played the palace you haven't played the top for years I had it preached to me 
and drummed into my head unless you played the palace you might as well be dead. I just keep thinking about the early 80s when they demolished, what was it, three theaters? Five. Five? five. It was five it theaters? Was five theaters, yeah. To, to make the Marriott Marquis, which is a fine hotel, I suppose. However, I think there are a lot of people now who wish we had those theaters back. And there were certainly a lot of people who, I remember Christopher Reeve famously protested with a bunch of other... Susan Sarandon was Susan arrested. Susan Sarandon was arrested. Oh, I didn't, uh, that I didn't uh, know. She but chained herself to a fence, I think. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Maybe they shouldn't have unlocked that chain. <laughs> However, I feel like as, as loud as the protests were at that time, people really regret it. You know, it's like the selling of the Hellinger, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. I just worry that the palace is going to fall into that same category of, why did we do this? Do we need more retail space? I understand. But it's still going to be a theater. Well, it still will be a theater, but it, they are greatly altering the experience of walking to theater, which I suppose is not that big a deal when you think about when you get into the theater, and I assume it will largely be the same, so you won't know that you're three or four or five stories up, whatever it is. One of my favorite, if I can say, one of my favorite conservatives in the world is Chuck Marone, and he has this whole thing called small towns and how you build infrastructure and mixed use space is a good idea, usually. Um, And so I'm curious how it will be with the hotel and retail and the theater. It doesn't feel that different from the outside to me of what it currently is, I guess. That's the thing that I, as opposed to the, the theater at 42nd Street, Times which Square is theater, the yes. Times Square Theater, which really breaks my heart. Yes. Speaking of theaters that were torn down, I, I remember the off-Broadway genocide, if you will, that happened about 15 years ago. Oh, the beautiful God. Promenade Theater at 76 in Broadway. I could cry. I it was one of my theater. favorite theaters that I ever played in. Um, the Variety Arts, right? Is that one? The Variety Arts, which was on 3rd? Yeah. That's gone. Gone. Just and so many And the Fairbanks, gone. didn't that go? I, I think so. I mean, but yeah. just so much. So, like, as long as the palace is being pre- preserved, I'm okay. It's just, like you said, like, what happened to build the marquee? That's so sad. You know, that's so, so sad. sad. Well, on that happy note, <laughs> it's interesting that you say mixed use because we, we're about to sit down and listen to our talk with Eric Schaefer and Maggie Boland, and Signature Theater is sort of the best example of that kind of thing where a town embraced a theater company and extended an existing retail experience to include them and give them a brand new home. So I think this might be a good time to listen to our chat with them. Let's do it. There is great theater being done all across the country, not just in New York. And so, while The Fabulous Invalid might refer to Broadway, on this podcast, we want to occasionally shine a spotlight on a regional theater that is doing really great work. There are so many to choose from. This past summer, Rob suggested that I visit Signature Theater in Arlington, Virginia, which is outside of D.C., to see their production of Candor and Ebb's The Scottsboro Boys. I was so impressed, I started texting Rob the minute it was over, and I returned in August for the premiere of Passion. Before seeing that show, we sat down with artistic director Eric Schaefer, who founded Signature Theater in 1989, then performing at a local middle school. Uh, In 1993, they converted an old auto garage in Arlington into a theater that remained their home until 2007, 
when they moved into their current facility, which is a $16 million complex in Arlington's village at Sherlington. A testament to the great shows that they produce, Signature Theater was recognized with a 2009 Regional Theater Tony Award. You may know Eric's work as a director, since he directed the 2011 Broadway revival of Follies and the musical Million Dollar Quartet. It was also recently announced that his production of Titanic, which played at the Signature Theater in 2016, and in Seoul, Korea the following year, may be headed to Broadway next season. Here's our chat with Eric Schaefer. I'd love to know when you're when you're planning a season as the artistic director, um, you know what is the tension between doing shows that you know will draw an audience because you've got to sell those tickets, right. and shows that will also challenge your audience, like like the Scottsboro Boys. When I yeah, saw yeah, that yeah. on your schedule, I thought, wow, I'm coming down for that. Someone's got to do it. What theater is doing the Scottsboro Boys? Yeah. Right? You know that, that's a that's a challenging yeah. musical. What theater's doing fashion? And I, I, I was worried about this, I have to say, when we moved into the new building, because all of a sudden there's a whole different set of economics. And, you know, the great thing is, is like Maggie and I work so well together and I understand the business side of it and how important that is. And so I'm not one of those artistic directors <laughs> that, you know, I sit on that side of the room and she sits on this side. Like we're, 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 we're totally interwoven and, you know, making joint decisions and, you know, I'm telling her what I'm thinking. She's telling me what she's thinking, which is really, I'm finding more and more unique in the American theater, unfortunately, but um, <laughs> but that being said, um, it's it's um, there's you know we have a list of shows like that we want to do you know or shows that like wouldn't that show be cool in 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 that space you know and I always I always say like signatures about invention like new work and then reinvention taking older shows and try to rethink them and, and putting them up in a in a, a unique way and so it's it's a balance of that and it's it's hard because it is you know we we have to sell like 5 million dollars worth of tickets a year a year a season so you know that's obviously part of it and the thing is um, i always try to you know never felt like we 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 sold out like we still keep taking those risks we yeah. still keep doing interesting new things um, and even if it's a show that's more mainstream like um, we, like we did Showboat one year, and but we took that and we it was great because the R and H folks were like, were like, hey, can we do a little of this book with this book? And they were like, yeah, like you know, let us see the version that you want to do, and we'll you know, we had Jonathan Tunick reorchestrate it, and wow. so it was all, and it was like it was so great, even though people probably thought like, why is Signature doing Showboat? That's right. but it was a whole <laughs> new version, and we called it No Boat because there actually was no boat <laughs> on the stage. When we get to do things like that and think like that, it really. It, I think it drives everyone here, and, and it's kind of great because everyone gets excited about what we're going to do and, and how we're going to do it, really, is the thing. Um, we have a new show coming up um, by the guys who wrote The Witches of Eastbrook, John Dempsey and Dana Rowe, that we commissioned called Blackbeard. And um, what's cool is, like, the, the theater actually is going to turn, be turned into, like, the ocean. And, like, the set is, like, this ship that's all deconstructed, but it kind of it stretches the whole width of the theater on an angle, and so it's going to be the audience is going to be in it, and you know, like people swinging on ropes over their head and stuff like that. And you're like, um, we're so 
lucky that we can do things like right. that and yeah. just go like, hey, what if, what if? Um, You're not stuck with some fixed auditorium, right? Yeah. You've got a sandbox yeah. that you can play in. Yeah. For every show. And then, you know, even doing fun things like that, what's great about like our arc space, which is smaller, but we can do really, really interesting work in there by interesting playwrights. Like we did, you know, Sarah Kane's play there. We did Tender Napalm. We, you know, and I love that edgy stuff that, you know, you know, audiences go like, I didn't really get it, but I'm still <laughs> thinking about it. And I was like, well, that is great because then something's resonating in there about what you just witnessed or, you know, felt. So, um, so it's good to do that. I think, you know, just push the boundaries as much as we can. And, and, and it's, I think the trick is honestly, is the balance is finding the balance of a little of this, a little of that, but not feel like we're selling out, you know? Right. So, well, over the years, you've sort of become uh, one of the premier interpreters of the Sondheim canon, and you know this, this theater. I yes, think well, this is our 29th Sondheim production there you in go. 29 years. In as many years, more exactly. than more right. than any other <laughs> theater in America, really. Right. Yeah. yeah, and and you've that also much, yeah. you know um, been such a. You know, I love what you just said about you know about reimagining you know existing works, but also creating new works. Yeah, and you know I, I read on your website you've got 56 world premieres in 29 years. And nineteen new musicals. Yeah, that's a rather impressive feat for you know. We're like, still standing, right? You know, I mean, that's really incredible. You know, the stuff that we commission that we want to work on is just we're trying to find interesting writers, like new writers, young writers, to give them the opportunity, and then just um, interesting subject matters. You know that we that we we can go. Hmm. <laughs> like I was, you know, um, I did Sweeney Todd in Soul, like. To, two years ago, and I literally, when I was there, I was just watching Netflix, like all these independent films, and I found this film that I was like, I was like, oh my God, that should be a musical. And then I like watched it again, I was like, no, that really should be a musical, <laughs> I'm telling myself. And I tracked the writer down, the guy who wrote it, and um, he was actually an actor who starred in it and wrote it, and you know, I, I, I sent him an email, I was like, I'm not a stalker crazy person, like I just, you know, like, I act like, and, you know, told him why I thought it should be a musical, da-da-da, and now, like, Signature ended up commissioning him, and he was so excited about the whole idea, and he's writing it, and, you know, we did a 29-hour reading of it um, this, this spring, and we're going to do a, a two-week workshop of it in November. Is there a composer or an author or a canon of work out there that you want to tackle next that you have not or that you've thought about? Oh, that's a great question. Um, there's probably writers that I'd love to, you know, because I don't know that the the younger, even middle-aged writers have, like, the canons mm -hmm. that, like, Sondheim, Canterleb, Jerry Herman have, mm -hmm. you know, because the industry has just changed so much and the shows right. weren't going up every year or every two years, which is, you know, unfortunate, and, and it's getting people those opportunities to. Yeah. Um, you have had a relationship with Michael John Lacusha, right? Yeah, yeah, we've yeah. done a bunch of his stuff too, yeah. which is great. I mean, he think I think he's so prolific and just like really interesting. Yeah, giant like being one of yeah, the yeah, like giant people still people <laughs> still here talk about like our audiences still talk about Giant and yeah. how much like they loved it and just were like bring it back again, bring it back, yeah. you know. And it was three hours and thirty four, yeah. like forty five minutes. It was, but it was, it didn't feel it. Like it was an experience, and that's what was kind of really cool about it that you just really got immersed in a world. This heartbreak country, cruel and violent, so much new to understand.
That's the mark of a good show, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the perfect example of a show where you know I, I came to see that, and and the the stage felt so wide. Oh yeah, it was like expansive. It was, it was so expansive, endless, you know, and, and endless horizon. And line. then you know I'd come, I'd come see in the next show, and it would be so like, small well, and intimate, and like yeah. you know, uh, so it's really that's so what I mean. You know, that's what's great about it's the great thing, and it's also the hard thing about um, having black box theaters is that. Uh, well, I always tell people, you know, we're not designing a set every time we do a show. We're designing a theater. Right. Because we change the seating. We change, like when you see Passion, like the configuration is a whole new configuration we've never done before. Mm. And so it's exciting, but it's also so much work on the whole staff and team here, which is, you know, I mean, we have like one of the best, you know, I'm not bragging, but I am, but the best <laughs> staffs really in, a, in American theater. Because they're, they're, I don't think there's one person who doesn't love to come to work every day. I mean, we all have days where it's just like, oh my God, we got, but people like really are passionate about what they do here and, and working here. And we, and, and I think that's, I feel that's really important, you know, that I want people to want to come to work every day in, in the sense of that. Um, the hard thing about having a black box like that is when you have subscriptions and this is where the business part comes in, where, you know, our subscriptions will go on sale in January. And so what happens is, for the show, like Blackbeard, which was 18 months away, we had to figure out what the seating configuration was gonna be if we're gonna do an odd configuration. And so it's hard because, you know, designers don't work 18 months in it, yeah. like that. And you get locked into something. Yeah, right? and then and so literally, and then the more you're developing and changing, you're like, oh God, I wish we could only, uh. yeah. so, um, but that's but that's part of the business. You know, it you keeps to, you on your toes. Yeah, you I have know. to understand. You just have to think like that, and you know, it's just you know, when outside directors come in, I would go like, "Now this is weird, but we need to pick the seating configuration now." And they're like, "Oh my god, I'm not even like thinking like I haven't got my head in the script." And I was like, "I know, but do you get a lot of resistance from that?" No, they're great because they understand. They're like, "I totally get it." Yeah. I was like, "Look, like it, this is what sells subscriptions." And they're like, "Okay, right. do it." You know, <laughs> this is why we're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they get it. I mean, it's just. So it's just a different way of working. I mean, and that's, I mean, I think that's the interesting thing about Signature, like it's always been. It's like we, we there's no formula here. What was the show that started it all for you? Huh. Um, well, I guess, I mean, when we were in, when I, when I was in, um, I was probably in middle school or even elementary school when the high school did their musicals. Um, I remember they did an amazing production of The King and I. I and Grant Gordon played the King. I even remember. Like, <laughs> I remember being the King. But, like, and, Where um, is Grant Gordon and, now? And, um, oh, what was her name? Mary Alice Erb was Mrs. Anna. And they were, like, it was amazing. Like, and I was just like, that's amazing. And then it's funny, one of my elementary school teachers, 
he liked the theater and he literally called my parents one day and he said, hey, I'm picking up Eric and I'm taking him to New York for the day. Um, we'll be back tonight. And they were like, okay. And literally, we because like, I grew up in Pennsylvania. It was like two hours from New York City. And I remember he drove us up and we saw the revival of West Side Story with Debbie Allen. And I can still see the ribbons dropping. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, forward, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Was that your first Broadway show? Yeah, that was my first Broadway show. That was a good first Broadway show. Yeah, that I was to say, that's Broadway a great show. first Broadway yeah. show. Josie de Guzman, I think, yeah, was that. It yeah, it was amazing. So that was great. And, you know, we had two show albums at home, I remember. It was The Sound of Music from the movie and Cabaret. <laughs> and all I did is play those all the time. Oh, <laughs> Cabaret from the film, I would yeah, assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The yeah. Yellow Album, remember? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I think I still have it. I did a report yeah. on Cabaret the movie oh, when I was that. very young. <laughs> Didn't um, we all? <laughs> yeah, it was supposed to be on German history, and I chose Cabaret, well, that's, naturally. That's good. I think so, that's good. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a real testament to the importance of arts in the schools, right? The yeah. fact that here you are as a young kid, and you see... Uh, Grant and Mary Alice and The King and I, yeah. right? And, and it's, here you are today, you're artistic it's director hard. of a major company. Yeah, it's hard when you see like the arts getting cut from schools. And I think, um, you know, we have a really unique signature in the schools program in that um, Joe Clarko, who's our, our um, resident director here and, and director of New Works, every year we write a world premiere play and the kids perform it and rehearse it here. And it's on, you know, a contemporary subject like last year was on immigration and mm. um, the year before um, it was on three it was called 395 South on um, the murder in Baltimore and and so like it just hits home like and so what's great is then we bust all the ninth grades in from Arlington County as well as other schools to see it and be part of it and that week is magical. We we reach like I don't know what it is. It's probably like twenty five hundred kids a year yeah. that we that we really That's zoom special. in on. And it's we do like internships for kids, and they do a, we do a whole playwriting thing like Memorial Day weekend where the kids write a play, and we we do a whole festival of these plays and produce them for them. Um, it's kind of it's amazing when you see, and they're so talented. Mm -hmm. And it's what's great is like they they're they're huge thinkers, which I love. Like there's no boundaries, and right. it's really kind of exciting. Yeah. That's the future. Yeah. I know. That's like I wish I had that when I was a kid. Yeah. You know that we did not have in Pennsylvania. 
And now we sit down with Maggie Boland, who is the managing director of Signature Theater. So when did you first get involved in Signature? Have you been here since? 10 years ago. Yeah, I started in May of 2007. Great, so just That's as you were... such a lie. May of 2008. <laughs> so you all had just moved into this Correct. facility. Signature had been here for just over a year mm-hmm. when I showed up on the scene. I had been in Washington um, for 10 years prior to that. I worked at Arena Stage. Okay. So I knew and admired Signature very much and had been here as an audience member a handful of times because I love the musicals so <laughs> much. Um, and... Uh, Although it's funny when I think back on it, I didn't come to Signature nearly as much as I wanted to because when it was in the what we call the garage, the former right. space, it was always sold out. And unless you knew somebody, you really couldn't get a ticket. You could, wow. you know, it was really hard. Um, so I hadn't seen nearly as much as I might have if they had been in a bigger space. But yes, yeah, so I showed up in May of 2008 and uh, was part of the kind of explosive growth of the company and trying to sort of get our equilibrium in terms of operating with yeah. two theaters at the same time, and then happily was here a year later when we received the 2009 Tony Award. That's right. And yeah, I can't take any credit for say, it because yeah, I sort well, of swanned in at the end and got to... Correlation work. or causation, yeah. right? I, I, I like to say I only work in theaters that have Tony Awards. <laughs> but I have to say, you did give one of the greatest quotes I've read in recent times, which was, if you can win a Tony Award, I highly recommend it. Yes. Which I think is it's good advice. Yeah. Good advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's applicable in so many situations. But I mean, talk about pinch me over and over again. What was your decision process like, or your you know, in terms of making a decision from working at Roundabout in New York, which yeah. uh, you know millions of people would die to do, yeah. right? and then coming down to DC to work at Arena? Was that a hard thing? Was it, it was really hard because I loved my job at Roundabout. Yeah. I was so lucky to be in the right place at the right time. I graduated from college, and my roommate and I just decided to move to New York without jobs, without <laughs> a place a to live. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a whim, but it was really... It was a dream. I look back now, and I think, would I have the nerve to do that today? And maybe Leap not. of faith. If my daughter said to me, I'm going to move to New York City... Without a job. I, I would, that would give me pause. Yeah. Um, and my mom does talk about crying as the U-Haul drove away, so... Uh, so we, um, I, you know, I walked into Roundabout at a moment when Roundabout had just moved to Broadway. Mm-hmm. There are some interesting parallels to when I arrived at Signature, obviously a much different scale, but Roundabout had gone from, you know, being off Broadway and coming out of really significant financial trouble, mm-hmm. moving into the Criterion Center and was finding its way in terms of operating that new space and growing really quickly. And I just, you know got this job that I couldn't even believe was a real thing as development assistant at a moment when Roundabout was growing at an astonishing rate. So I was able to be part of that incredible time in Roundabout's history with, you know, Cabaret and She Loves Mm -hmm. Me. When I interviewed, Anna Christie with Liam Neeson and Natasha Richardson was running. When the time came for us to leave New York, we we were neck deep in the campaign to renovate what is now the American Airlines Theater. Right. It was right. the Selwyn Theater. Yeah. Right. Um, and what happened was that my husband was offered a job in D.C. But when we moved to D.C., I, I was just, again, in the sort of luckiest place in the world because we had so many people in the Roundabout family who knew people in the Washington, D.C. theater community and sort of ushered us in mm-hmm. here. And uh, I was able to meet Stephen Richard and all the folks at arena it was molly smith's first season as artistic director 
and uh, they took a big leap on me. I had been the, uh, I think my last title at Roundabout was Director of Annual Giving, and Arena hired me as their marketing director, mm-hmm. which was proof to me that they were managers with some imagination, right? That they like could a very see. different job. They are. <laughs> but a lot of the attributes you need and the skills you need are transferable. And I had done a ton of work on corporate sponsorship in New York, which was very marketing focused. Mm. Um, and so I think they were willing to bet that I could learn what I didn't know, which was everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, that the, the sort of what I brought to the job and the ambition I had and the sheer obsession with being in the American Regional Theater would be enough to 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 make it work and you know this is a plastic table but I'll knock anyway um well the American Regional Theater is a great place to be you know I mean I and especially in DC I feel like even now less so but DC is kind of like a a hidden gem of theater I couldn't agree more I I I had a similar journey in that I, I was born and raised in New York and had a decision to make for college. Do I stay in New York or do I, I had been accepted down here in DC. And I, I at the time sort of lamented leaving the theater in New York and I got down here and I was like, wow, yeah. there are so many amazing companies here and in this, you know, and in this capital region um, and doing such amazing work. I can't tell you how many shows I saw here mm-hmm. that years later would show up in New York. Sure. You know, and I'd be like, oh, well I saw it, you know, at Woolly Mammoth yes. or, you know, at Arena or whatever it was, you know. Uh, or a giant here. I saw a giant oh. at, at Signature, you know? Um, <laughs> Eric did almost the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, it's we all... It's special show. It's so, yeah. It was so special. And I will say, the best version of Giant I ever saw was a workshop presentation where it was four hours and 45 minutes long. And when it was over, I looked at my watch and I was sure my watch was broken <laughs> because the time had flown by. It yeah. didn't feel too long to me in the least. And so, though I'm thrilled it eventually, <laughs> when it got to the public, was down to you know a little over three hours because yeah. I think that's what audiences can handle. Yeah. There's a lot of incredible content from that show yeah. that... That got left. Yeah. There's a lot to be said for four hours whizzing by. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Not, that's not that's easily not done. Yeah, yeah. 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 That, that's yeah. a masterpiece in my view. Um, so I couldn't agree more with you. Yeah. When we got yeah. to DC, we were so surprised by how robust the artistic mm-hmm. and uh, managerial community here was. And we came here with a little bit of New York snobbery, truly right. thinking, oh, we can always go back to New York. Right. If, Just and, a train right away. You know, right. now 21 years later, I can't even believe the incredible community here and the life that I have. And I mean, things I never pictured would be possible with a career in theater. I own a house. I have a car, a dog, (laughs) you know, and uh, we just have have been able to create a a beautiful life here that I never dreamed would be possible. And it's the American Regional Theater that Mm -hmm. made it happen. And what I've really seen over the the 20 years now that I've been here is we're not alone. There are a, a beautiful number of really gifted people who live and work in DC and it's not a stop on the way to somewhere else. This is a place where people come and they can make a living and they can have a life and you can work in, you know, 20 theaters around mm-hmm. town uh, and have all these incredible experiences that are really different from one another and it's just a it's a really cool place to live. I think I read recently that um I think it was Actors' Equity had released a report that after New York and Orlando, mm-hmm. DC was the third, uh, you know, highest working region yeah. for actors, yeah. um, consistently working throughout the yeah. year. Um, and each of us, you know, of the of the major theaters, I don't even know how you would define that, but you know, we we really have pretty clearly defined 
mm-hmm. ways that we relate to the community and the kinds of work that we do. And so, you know, actors and directors and designers and choreographers, you know, there's this crazy variety of work that you can do throughout the year. Um, and, you know, somebody knows what, what they're getting into if it's a signature musical or a woolly play. Or, mm-hmm. um, so it's really, yeah. yeah, I can't so say enough about it. As managing director yes. of a regional theater, what, what does that entail? What, what, what's a day in the life? Well, the, the best thing about it, and this is going to sound like another, you know, cliche, but is that no two days are ever the same. So my job is Eric and I are partners at the top of the org chart, responsible for the entire organizational operation. He really focuses on the artistic vision for the company and leading the artistic team, and I focus on the business side of the theater. Um, so all of the major departments in the theater, marketing, fundraising, finance, HR, general management, um, I'm sure there are information systems, I'm sure there's more, uh, all report to me. And it's really my job to make sure we have the resources we need to put the best possible work on stage and to build the strongest possible relationship with our community. And uh, so I really don't most days walk in here knowing what the day is going to hold. Um, other than, of course, I have scheduled meetings, um, you know, all of the time. And I, you know, you will almost never find me sitting alone in my office. You know, one of the most important things I do is be a sounding board for our managers throughout the organization. When they're, you know, trying to figure something out, they come in and we talk through it and they go off and they do. Um, so, you know, I, another joke, a la the Tony Award joke, is that one of my nieces came to work with me one day, and at the end of the day, her mom said, you know, well, how, how was going to work with Aunt Maggie? And she's like, I don't think Aunt Maggie really does any work. <laughs> And it feels sort of true. Like, I don't have a lot of work product at the end of the day. It's not like I wrote a proposal or, um, you know, I just, I spend a lot of time talking with, but more importantly, listening to Mm. people. Well, thinking of your niece, it's actually perfect, you know, because I had this idea of, you know, what, what child grows up and says, I'm going to be an arts administrator, yeah. you know, or I'm going to be a managing yeah. director of a regional theater, you know. Yeah. It seems like sort of invisible work to people right. who might just go to the theater, you know, on, you know, on occasion. Um, but it's so essential to mm-hmm. making it all happen, yeah. right? You know, how, how did you sort of come to work in the theater? What, what inspired you? When I came out into the world, I was an English major undergrad, and I don't have a graduate degree, which makes me a little bit unusual um, in these positions. And uh, when I was initially looking for that mythical first job in Manhattan, I was interviewing with publishing houses. So the the path that I thought I was on was that I was going to work for a magazine. That was really what I was hoping would be my dream at the time, because I actually didn't know that arts administration was really a thing. Right. It's different today because so many schools have programs around arts administration. Mm -hmm. Um, But it really wasn't a path that I knew existed. And in truth, that first, I answered a want ad in the New York Times for development (laughs) assistant. I didn't know what the word development meant in that context, but it was for roundabout theater. I I would have cleaned their floors (laughs) and and frequently did, actually. And so, um, you know, I think what we're, one of the things we're trying to do now at Signature is actually make the career more visible. So, for example, when we do our overtures training program in the summer. We do a two-week program for college-age young people, training them to be triple threat performers. But we also do a session with me where we talk about careers in the arts and how a regional theater operates. And they get to meet a panel of our senior staff members so that they can see, I think in some cases it scares them because they think, oh my God, she was a performer and now she's this. But um, 
you know, we want to really open the window onto the fact that if you love theater, there are a lot of ways to, to work in the theater without making it on Broadway. That that doesn't have to be the only uh, thing you would consider a success. So for me, I never intended to go into this career, yeah. but, but boy, it is literally a dream come true. People yeah. throw around literally. I mean <laughs> it in this case. I dreamt of working in a theater, and here we are 25 years later. So. And you've worked with three great theaters. I have. Over the years. I've, yeah, I, yeah, and I'm a bit of a dinosaur. Not a lot of people go and stay in places, you know. But I was at Roundabout for six and a half years, and then Arena for ten, and now I'm I'm here um, at Signature for more than ten. And yeah. when young people say to me like, "How do I get your job?" one of the one of the things I say to them is, you know, don't quit your job. Find an organization you admire. Get in there. Work your butt off, and you know find your way because for me as someone who hires a ton of people um, it's really hard to get a sense of what someone's going to be great at if they've changed jobs every year or every 18 months um, and so I know nobody does what I did anymore <laughs> these ugh, kids today but uh, you know I have really found for me what's most satisfying is getting into a, an organization and figuring out what the organization needs and what I'm good at. And um, I mean, I probably had five different job titles over those 10 years at, at Arena. Um, proudly, I've only had one here. There isn't really another one for me. Um, but, you know, and Eric and I have joked that, you know, there've been, there were some decisions in the early part of our tenure here where we thought, oh, we'll let those people th think those things through. And it's sort of meaning things long in Signature's yeah. future, and it's sort of settling into both of us that we might be those people. Um, you are those people. Yeah, but we are having such an extraordinary time with Signature right now. There's no reason to think about anything else. No, there's no stopping. No. I was just going to ask you what keeps you at Signature, and you answered it twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two different answers for the same question, yeah. and they both, they both make perfect yeah. sense. Well, and let's not forget the musicals. I, well, mean, yeah. I, love, I love all kinds of theater, and our, our non-musical work at Signature is such an important part of who we always have been and always will be, so I really I love that. We're starting Heisenberg rehearsals today, yeah. in fact, um, and I'm just as excited about that, but, yeah. you know, the... Um, you know the song Away Back to Then from Title of Show? Yeah. That song is about me. Yeah. yeah. Dancing in the backyard, Kool-Aid mustache and butterfly wings, hearing Andrea McArdle sing from the hi-fi in the den. I've been waiting my whole life find a way back to them. Before we let you go, we are asking everybody, what was that show that did it for you way back when? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> that is really hard. Uh, I, I, it could be shows. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Evita. Hmm. I, I had two experiences with Evita. Uh, I was in the chorus of Evita when I was a freshman in college. And it was in that experience that I uh, got to be friends with the man who's now my husband. Mm -hmm. And my brother played Magaldi. This was at Boston College, and I don't even remember what year. Um, and just being in the show and seeing a musical of that scale, that was the first time, you know, that I... It, the leap from high school to college theater was big, and it was really obvious to me that it was... Being in and producing a musical was really exciting to me. And then that summer... 
the production, a production of Evita ran at the Pocono Playhouse, which is very close to where I grew up. And so my brother, Magaldi, and I went to see it. And when we got to the theater, there was an understudy slip in the program. And the understudy was clearly a like 18-year-old Juilliard student. And we were like, oh, great. Ava Perone, the student. And then it came out and it was Audra McDonald. And so I feel like she's mine, right? Like I saw her. her. Exactly. And we just watched literally the whole show, Jaws on the Ground, that this girl who was my age is what it felt like, um, you know, was sort of killing it in the Poconos, understudying Ava Perone. And I... We were we were mesmerized, as you might imagine, and so um, we really that that musical, you know, I have such affection for because it was really important to my personal life. But then, sort of seeing it in that context was just solidified for me that a you should always be excited to see an understudy, yes, and b um, you know it's really uh, musicals just bring me so much joy and satisfaction. I love them so much. And see, Avita's a nearly perfect show. It really is a great, it's a great, great show. And I was really good in <laughs> the chorus in That's that right. movie theater scene. Yeah. yeah. So. wondering, what is this American Musical Voices project that we talked about? And if you weren't wondering, well, now you are. There are a variety of programs at companies across New York City and around the country that are aimed very specifically at supporting and nurturing new artists to elevate new voices in the theater through the commissioning of works, granting of funds, and the opportunity to have time and a facility where readings can be held and a production can be mounted or workshopped. This whole ad hoc system, largely if not entirely existing in the nonprofit space, has emerged over the past couple of decades, evolving organically in response to the fact that the nature of commercial producing in the theater has changed. It used to be the case that commercial theater producers were the ones who were finding new talent, or else matching writers with projects and producing new works directly on commercial stages. After seeing Milk and Honey in 1961, Legendary producer David Merrick summoned its 30-year-old composer and lyricist Jerry Herman to his all-red office high above the St. James Theater. Merrick had the option for a musical adaptation of Thornton Wilder's play The Matchmaker and was interested in Herman for the score. Since Milk and Honey was set in Israel, though, Merrick wanted to make sure Herman was American enough to musicalize Wilder's play. And so, as Herman said, he had to prove that he was Abraham Lincoln and Kate Smith rolled up into one. Herman went home, wrote four songs in one weekend, and presented them to Merrick on Monday morning, who, upon completion of the last song, stood up and said, kid, the show is yours. At least that's how Jerry Herman tells it. He was hired to write the score for Hello, Dolly, and then he became Jerry Herman. Another example, Stephen Sondheim used his unproduced score for Saturday Night as an audition piece in the 1950s. Combined with his own network in the theater and having Oscar Hammerstein as a mentor, that's partly how he landed a job as lyricist for West Side Story. Then in the 1970s, producer and director Hal Prince collaborated with Sondheim on six new musicals, all of which premiered on Broadway. The last two, even without an out-of-town tryout. You might know them. Company, Follies, A Little Night Music, Pacific Overture, Sweeney Todd, and Merrily We Roll Along. Not too shabby. 
It's telling, though, that Sondheim's next musical, Sunday in the Park with George, was developed at Playwrights Horizons, an off-Broadway incubator of new works. That shift, from Merrily to Sunday, reflected the beginning of a new model taking hold. In the process of creating a chorus line in 1974 and 1975, director and choreographer Michael Bennett pioneered a new method of workshopping a musical over an extended period of time, using the public theater downtown as a space for developing the piece in the rehearsal room with the actors and writers together. Today, very few musicals and plays have their premiere on Broadway. Most are given birth on regional stages across the country or at nonprofit theaters in New York. Before millions of dollars are spent putting a show on Broadway, producers now want to see that it can work, and these first audiences become a vital focus group. Through Signature Theater's American Voices musical project, nearly 10 composers have been given grants, health insurance, and a top-notch regional theater facility with a built-in test audience to workshop and present a new musical, the most well-known being Michael John Lacuche's musical Giant, which premiered at Signature Theater in 2009 before coming to the Public Theater in New York in 2012. There is no other musical commissioning program like it in the country. Far more common are nonprofit programs to support playwrights. Either way you look at it, regional theaters are not just important cultural anchors for towns and cities across the country, they are also breeding grounds for the next frontiers of the American theater. Jennifer here. That's our show. Thanks for listening. The Fabulous Invalid is a production of O&M Etc. and The Fabulous Invalid LLC. Our theme music is by Lucky Chops, who are currently on tour, so check out their website, luckychops.com, for info and dates. Today's episode was edited and engineered by Aaron Kaufman. Find us online at thefabulousinvalid.com and on social media at Fabulous Invalid, and listen to us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podbean, and our website. And be sure to tune in next Wednesday. Hey, it's Leslie Udom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.